live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby! We're going to be here all day! Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party! Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon. How are you? Happy Tuesday, April 26th, the year 2022. Chamber of Commerce Day on the outside. And we're here for the next two hours. So whatever form or fashion you decided to tune us in, we are very, very appreciative. We are on the radio, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're streaming 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And in the Acadiana area, we're also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and uh, 133 on LUS Fiber. My main man, James Mesh, um, dutifully manning the master control suite in the game studios. Spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons. Yours truly here, Studio 1A, a busy, busy Tuesday. Anticipation running rampant as the Pelicans try to take a three games to two lead over the Phoenix Suns. To do that, they'll have to win it tonight at Footprint Center. A late night tip here, 9 p.m. 9 p.m. So we've got that. We've got LSU baseball tonight taking on the UNO Privateers in New Orleans, as the Tigers will um, try to take care of business against UNO, uh, a team where they have um, really kind of taken care of business against without question, without doubt. But they're trying to build that momentum to get ready for this weekend. So May Street Field at Privateer Park, the Tigers are ranked uh, 17th in the NCAA RPI. They're ranked number 20 in USA Today, number 22 in the D1 baseball's poll. Um, And as per the norm, we've got baseball here on the game, right? Of course. And let's see, where did I just put that? Where did I just put that? Anyway, uh, coming up on that. So we'll have the LSU baseball game here on uh, 1037 uh, Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles. And we will also have uh, the Astros on tonight as well. First pitch for LSU will be at 630. The Astros look to bounce back from Monday's loss to the Texas Rangers. You can listen to tonight's game from Arlington on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. First pitch is set for 7.05 p.m. So we got baseball across across the ways in this one. Um, and, of course, the NFL draft is right around the corner. Is it unreasonable? Is it beyond the realm of possibility if you want to improve your offense 
What if two dynamic wide receivers are available at number 16 and number 19? Is it beyond the realm of possibility that the Saints would draft two wide receivers in the first round? Is that way too far-fetched? Is that just absolutely crazy? I don't know. In today's modern football, with the emphasis on what you're allowed to do offensively and with the the emphasis on the passing game, and if you want to give your quarterback the best opportunity to succeed, hmm, hmm, I'm just saying, is the offensive line of that dire straits at left tackle, or do you feel like you have somebody there in position where you can win and 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 be competitive there, and then maybe a draft and alignment later on in the draft? I don't know. I don't know what the uh, what the Saints staff is thinking, but it just dawned on me: what if there are two great wide receivers and you need to upgrade your offense? Uh, you, you know, maybe Alvin Kamara is going to be out for a while. Maybe the NFL is going to. Uh, put a put a penalty on him. He's going to have to miss some games. So now you really rely on the passing game, and you really rely on Jameis Winston. Don't you want to give him as much talent out there to make his throws easy? Guys that can separate, get open, make catches, move the chains. Yeah, something to talk about. Um, our guest list today, Justin Napoli, will join us uh, here in a few minutes as we preview Game Five. What adjustments need to be made? You know Phoenix is going to try everything in their power to win this one. They've got two of the next three at home if it goes a full allotment of seven games. What do the Pels have to do on the road? We'll discuss all of that and more. What has been determined from the LSU spring game? I, I don't know. I know the coaches are are just scouring through tapes of the scrimmage. They're looking at the team in general, they're looking at individuals, they're grading them, and they're going to try and figure out, okay, what do we have? Who can play for us in the big games coming up in the fall? We'll talk with Koki Riley, who is now um, with the Daily Advertiser in charge of covering LSU sports. So we look forward to talking to Koki. Uh, and then an hour number two, Bob Rose will join us for the Black and Gold Report, as he does each and every Tuesday. Uh, three games on the docket tonight in the NBA. The Hawks versus the Miami Heat. Miami leads the best of seven series three games to one. It's in Miami. Heat are too good. They're going to close this thing out. The most contested, um, one of the most contested series is at 630 tonight, and that's the Minnesota Timberwolves will be playing at the Memphis Grizzlies. The T-Wolves tied that series up at two games apiece, and then the nightcap tonight, the Pelicans are at the Suns. That was That's the triple header tonight. Last night, Boston ended the misery of the Brooklyn Nets with a 116-112 win, a four games to zip, break out the brooms, sweep over Durant, Irving, and company. And a lot of question marks, a lot of um, soul-searching going on with Brooklyn. But they're their own worst enemy. They're their own to blame, their own to fault. And give the Boston Celtics a lot of credit. What a team they are. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What's happening with the Philadelphia 76ers? They go up to Toronto. Um, first, they led three zip in the series. Now, Toronto has won two in a row, including a 103-88 win last night 
76ers were terrible. James Harden was non-existent. And the Raptors now trail three games to two with the series going back to Toronto for game six. Could it possibly be done? It certainly is possible. And then the Dallas Mavericks, my goodness, all over the Utah Jazz, 102-77. to 102-77. Luca and company, it just wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. So there's uh, your NBA uh, update. We are brought to you each and every Tuesday by the great folks at Cajun Chef who present the flavors of Louisiana, deep in the heart of South Louisiana's Bayou Country. They're right there in St. Martinville. Cajun Chef's seasonings are still made from time-honored traditional family recipes using only the finest spices and peppers. Cajun Chef's been in existence for nearly 90 years. Taste the flavor of Cajun Chef's cayenne hot sauce made from choice vine-ripened cayenne peppers for full-bodied flavors without too much heat Try Cajun Chef's Gourmet Green Hot Sauce. It's made from the same select peppers picked while still green for the fullest flavor. Or try Cajun Chef's Cayenne Red Pepper on poultry, beef, or seafood. It's perfect for shrimp, crabs, and crawfish cooked Cajun style. Our vine-ripened green Tabasco peppers and specially seasoned vinegar will spice up any vegetable. It's great for bringing canned or frozen vegetables to life. And rind out your spice rack with our other fine seasoning. So turn up the taste with Cajun Chef and give your family, your friends, the Cajun food flavor that will keep them coming back for more and more and more. Cajun Chef, decidedly delicious. And uh, it's just, it is the best without question, without doubt. Cajun Chef hot sauce. Um, All that being said, we'll take our first time out of the day. When we come back, it's the preview of the Pelicans and the Suns. It's game five. Pressure ramping up for both. Oh, can the Pels steal one on the road and perhaps come back to the Smoothie King Center on Thursday with a chance to win the series and advance to the next round? Anything's possible. We'll discuss it all with Justin Napoli. After this timeout, the Jordy Helpert Show. We're on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. 16 minutes after the hour, the Jordy Holberg Show brought to you by Cajun Chef, who invites you to taste what's hot, that Cajun flavor. When you do taste it, you'll agree. Cajun Chef is not only deliciously different, it's decidedly better. On his Twitter handle, it says, and I quote, um, if I can find it again, doggone it. Great moments are born from great opportunities. And boy, this is an opportunity for a great moment tonight. Pels, Suns, game five in the desert at Footprint Center. Justin Napoli, kind enough to join us. Our NBA analyst covering the Pels. Justin, 
This is a great opportunity for a great moment, man. How are you? You did some research there. Uh, I'm doing good, Jordy. I'm excited. Um, you know, I, I read a tweet today that someone was complaining about start times and how tired they are the next morning. Well, when oh. you play, when you got playoff basketball and you, you have a team that's playing as well as the Pelicans, we could play at midnight. I don't really care at this that's point. That's exactly right. That's exact. The fact that you're <laughs> playing at this time of the year while LeBron's on some island with palm trees says an awful <laughs> lot, right? And Kevin Durant 100%. and Kyrie Irving are going their separate ways says an awful lot. Okay, um, it's game five now. Uh, the the Pels made the proper adjustment from game three to game four. They took Chris Paul. They picked him up full court, wore him down. He was not the same player in the fourth quarter. Now the onus is on. The Phoenix Suns, what type of adjustments do you expect Monty Williams, if any, uh, to come up with to try to combat the good things that the Pelicans have done? Yeah, so we, we actually talked about this on our last podcast. You know, with, with Willie Green, the, the adjustments were, were they weren't necessarily easy, but you could see the adjustments, right? You wanted to blitz Chris Paul. You wanted to just show right. different, um, just different defensive coverages. I think they were in drop for the entire game in game three, and they got killed by Chris Paul. When game yeah. four, they blitzed them. They picked them up uh, full court. You know, Jonas was lifted up a little bit. They played drop. They played, you know, when you, when you mix up the coverages, it, it reminds you of, like, how do you beat Tom Brady? Well, you got to mix up the coverages, and that's why exactly. the Saints, you know, are pretty good with with uh, Tom Brady. And the Pelicans did that with Chris Paul last night or two nights ago. So what will Monty do, right? What's he going to do to combat? We talked about this. Well, they're probably going to double Brandon Ingram. Okay, well, if you double Brandon Ingram, well, then C.J. McCollum, you're playing four and three with C.J. McCollum, Trey Murphy, Jonas Valanciunas, Herb Jones, Jackson Hayes, et cetera. So I, if you double Brandon, I think C.J. has a huge game tonight. Mm-hmm. So what, let me ask you this, Jordan. Let me ask you a question. What adjustments okay. can Monty Williams make? Because you can't, you can't guard what Brandon Ingram is doing. Nobody in this world can guard what Brandon Ingram is doing. Mikael right. Bridges is a terrific defender. And Brandon Ingram is making him look very bad right now. Here's what I would do. So what what Um, do you do? Just simply based on that fact, I do everything I can to make life uncomfortable for Brandon Ingram, knowing full well he's going to get his. You just hope he doesn't shoot a good percentage. I'm not letting C.J. McCollum do anything, if, if at all humanly possible. I am try. I've got to take one of the two out of there. I think it's easier to guard C.J. McCollum because of, the height differential and the fact that Ingram can get just any shot he wants at any time. So I'm going to put my emphasis, even though I think we still haven't seen the best of CJ McCollum throughout the course of this Mm -hmm. series, he's been good, but he hasn't been really, really good. Like we've seen. So I'm going to try and play him down and I'm, I'm going to try and body up on Valanciunas and not, not let him get so many rebounds. That, that would be my only answer. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, that that's a de- I mean that's, that's a good answer, but you, you, I think it's easier said than done, right? CJ McCollum, what's sure. he really good at? Well, CJ he's a three level scorer, so CJ's yeah. three ball is not working. Well, he can break you down defense. I mean, he had a move on Chris Paul the other night, where I mean, it was, he, you know, he shows him a couple, you know, crossover step back three and hits it in his eye, and it's just like yeah. it's kind of deflating for a defense, right? And we talk about rebounding. Well, it's that's easier said than done, right? You know, Jake right. Crowder is so worried about Brandon Ingram, Mikael Bridge is so worried about CJ McCollum. Chris Paul's not that great of a rebounder. And then when Aiton is just – Aiton has to deal with Jonas Valanciunas and Jackson Hayes and Trey Murphy and Herb Jones. Like Herb mm-hmm. Jones is 6'8". Jackson Hayes is 6'9". He's got a wingspan of 
I mean, uh, his wingspan's incredible. Trey Murphy, a great guy that can go crash the boards. Jonas Valanciunas, a great guy to go crash the boards. And that's what the Pelicans are killing the Suns at, is boards and offensive rebounds. I think at one point, Jordy, I don't know if this stat's completely correct, but like we were like had like an offensive rebound rate of like sixty two percent of like missed shots, which is insane, right. and yeah. it, it can't sustain. So, you know, you talk about well, let's put Javale McGee in. Well, okay, you put Javale McGee in. I mean, you're just going to attack him all night. I mean, you just get the simple switch. You get CJ McCollum or Brandon Ingram on him, and it's it's over. Um, so the Suns, as I was saying, George, your initial question: What do they do? I don't know what they do. Like, there's not much they can do. They're a different I, team without Devin Booker. They can't I, yeah, really match I think up what well. they. I think what they can do, I think they're going to let somebody else bring the ball up the court. I think they're going to take that out of Chris Paul's hands and try to try to rest him a little bit uh, but Jordan, rather than gonna, having to bring I mean, the ball up against gonna, pressure who's gonna on bring up the Who's going to bring the ball up the court? <laughs> um, like Jay Crowder? Mikel Bridges? I, I, yeah. Yeah. Why not? Well, pick them up full court too. <laughs> I think you might. Well, that's fine, though. but I need Chris Paul in the fourth quarter. Um, I've seen too much of him. He's too good. Uh, I can't have him fatigued early on. Sounds like to me, you got the Pels winning this thing easy. Oh, hold up, hold up. I don't say yeah, that's never what it sounds like. I have the Pel- I have the Pels in six. It ain't going to be easy. But we talk about a lot of people talk about which I can't get with is a lot of people talk about. Well, let's make these adjustments. Well, it's easier said than done. I keep saying that Absolutely. because. What is Monty Williams supposed to do with Brandon Ingram right now? You say make life t- difficult. I feel they well, try no. to. They're just not. Yeah, that's all you can do is it. just get on him, get on him, guard him tight, and and hope that he misses. I mean, the, these players right. are too good. You can't stop these players. They have to stop yeah. themselves. And what you do mm-hmm. is you, you know, uh, easier said than done. You make them play on the defensive end and. And hopefully, maybe Monty Williams planted a seed in the officials' minds with that discrepancy of, yeah. of fouls from Game Four, and he's trying to plant a seed to get calls to go his way. That's uh, that's the only thing. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. No, nobody and, wants and the Bills to win I more than me. You, but with the Suns, I think are 25th in the league at free, in free throw attempts, and the Pelicans are a top 10 team. So I know what Monty Williams is doing, and to your point, it's really smart. But at the end of the day, if you're not going to attack the goal. You're not going to get a call. Besides right. Chris Paul, who else attacks the goal on that team? Mikel Bridges is not really a guy that attacks. Jay Crowder is not really a guy that attacks. Um, Johnson, not a really guy. Like, the only guy that really attacks off the bench is Campaign, um, right. and that, that's really it. So, you know, he's complaining about the foul calls, but at the end of the day, it, this is not them. They shoot their three and D team. That's what they do. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, well, we'll see. I, I really hope the refs don't control this game tonight. I'll say I'm that with much. you. I'm with you. They shouldn't, if they're a professional in any shape or form, they just call the game as they see it. But it's a make or miss league, and it just comes down to who's going to make shots. Um, right. And that 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 holds true in any game, right? In any game. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's what the Pelicans are doing. You know, they're making their shots, and the Suns haven't been really good from deep. Uh, but also, I think it's a credit to the Pelicans. I think they've done a really nice job of forcing guys like Jay Crowder, Campaign. Those guys, Campaign has you know, oh for. Oh, for whatever it is in this series, Jay Crowder hit his first three last night in game four. Uh, you know, Cam Johnson, he's a good shooter. He'll get his. That's fine. But um, without Devin Booker, Jory, this team's a lot different, especially sure. in the playoffs. Sure. Um, no question. Justin Napoli, kind enough uh, to join us. So give me some keys to this one in your I, 
a good start wouldn't hurt. Uh, get out the gate well. Keep try to keep that crowd a little bit under control. Uh, that never hurts. But and you got to keep your your key players out of foul trouble. I think that's another key. What what do you see? Yeah, um, we we'll keep keep giving the ball to Bi and CJ. And I just think I think controlling Chris Paul is the key to the game tonight. They did a great job. They're going to adjust to it. Um, but making him work, mixing up defensive assignments, they'll be just fine. I think that you contain Chris Paul, you win the basketball game. It's, it's really that simple. Um, you can't let him get going. And then, obviously, you. I think, Jordy, what they did a great job in game four, and I'm sure you noticed this too, was the pace that they played with. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it was a make or miss, they got the ball out and they got him running. And that's yeah. what you want to do. Like that's Chris Paul's 37 years old. He does not want to play that type of game. He doesn't want to play 94 feet. He wants to be half court in control. And last game, the Pelicans ran for four quarters. And it showed there in the second half that the Suns got tired legs. Chris Paul wasn't the same. And that's that exactly was that. Right. I mean, they, it was a blowout. Yeah. I, I know they had a bad second quarter of the Pelicans, but they outplayed them quarters one, three, and four. I'm with you. So, um, yeah, the more you can get the pace in your favor and make those guys run, uh, the more advantageous – uh, it is without question, without doubt. All right, uh, very good. How do you feel, um, Jordy? I feel like you always ask these questions. What are you? What, what are you seeing? Like, what do you see the Pelicans in six, or what? What are you? What are you seeing? Uh, I don't want it to. It, I, <laughs> I don't want it to go back to Phoenix for game seven. So if the Pels are going to win, they got to win tonight. Um, and then they got to come home and, and close it out. So tonight's the key game in my book for the Pels to win this series. If they don't, um, possible go possible game seven in Phoenix. I don't like, I don't like our chances there. So give me this one tonight, come back Thursday, lock it up. I like the fact that, it's just one day's rest between games and they're traveling cross country like they are. I think that fatigues uh, the, the older legs of the Suns more so than the Pels. But look, in this game, we've got two really, really outstanding players. I think the Suns have one and a half outstanding players. Uh, I think Aiton's really good, but he's not there yet. So I like our two better than theirs. If our two play to their level, and I expect, like you said, I, I think C.J. McCollum is so overdue to have one of those 30-point performances um, I, where he's just on fire, right? I think he's overdue. And, Jordy, you bring up a great point. Um, I'm glad you brought it up because if people don't seem to remember, there are two days off from Game 2 to Game 3, and Chris Paul went off, right? Yeah. He not only had one off day for Game yeah. 4. He wasn't traveling. Uh, for, yeah, for Game 4, it wasn't that great. Now – he only has one off day, had to travel all the yep. way back to Arizona, only has one day off. Yep. Game five's coming up tonight, and another day off, then you're flying back to New Orleans. So it's a tough stretch for an older team, um, especially a team that does not want to play with pace. A bunch of these so 20-year-olds run running up and down the court. I'm telling you, the yep. Suns do not want to deal with that. Run them, run them, run them. I'm with you. Um, look, again, if our two studs – play the way they play and everybody else does their role the way they have been. Pels are going to win this thing because they, they're, they're good. They're just good. They've, we've got, we've got talent. Uh, so I like our chances. We'll see. I, I you know, I'm going to take my uh, uh, diet Cokes, keep myself up and I'll be there for nine o'clock come heck or high water. And I'll be, 
I may even shoot you a text on this thing tonight. Yo, Who knows? I would love that, Jordy. I'm too scared <laughs> to text you in the middle of the game because, you know, I get a little, I get a little fired up. So I try to keep it professional with you. But if you want to text <laughs> me, you know, you know, you have my phone number. Yeah, I got you, brother. All right, Justin. But let's. Uh, Thanks, Jordan. We got we got about six and a half hours before this thing tips <laughs> off. So let's let's use our time wisely. But thank you as always, man. You're a great appreciate contributor you. to our show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Jordy. Hi, buddy. You take care. That's Justin Napoli talking Pels and Sons game five tonight, nine o'clock tip. Cannot wait. Cajun Chef invites you to taste what's hot, that Cajun flavor. And you'll agree, once you try it, Cajun Chef is not only deliciously different, it is decidedly, decidedly better. And today is a day that you join the game clubhouse. Not only is it free to join, but you'll get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. Boy, I'd love to be a fly on the wall inside the LSU Football Operations Center, listening to Brian Kelly and his staff, going over the list of players, looking at the film, going, okay, this guy can, this guy can't, this guy's terrible. We need to get somebody from the portal to up, upgrade this position because we got to play Alabama. We got to play Florida State. We got to play Auburn. We Oh, my goodness. I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Cokie Riley will join us next. More thoughts on LSU football after this timeout. The Jordy Helfer Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 34 minutes after the hour on this Tuesday, April 26th. Time to talk a little LSU football brought to you by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana in Lafayette and in Baton Rouge. Feeling good is as important as looking good for both men and women. If you're feeling the effects of aging, address it with hormones and regain your vitality, your mood, and your physicality. That's the Aesthetic Medicine and anti-aging clinics of Louisiana. Well, our next guest is moving on up. We got him as a young pup, and now he is the LSU sports reporter for the Daily Advertiser and the USA Today Sports South Region. Cokie Riley, congratulations, man. I'm very, very happy for you and proud of you, buddy. How are you? Thank you so much, Jordy. Um, Yeah, I really appreciate uh, all of your thanks, and, and everyone else has sort of reached out over the last, a day or so it's it's been it's been a bit of a whirlwind but um we're really excited to, to, to get started with this new position well with um great expectations come great responsibility and you will handle it so let's talk a little bit about uh uh this uh lsu football team after they've had about 15 practices one of which is included as a i call it a scrimmage kind of a practice session uh, you just let the fans come and see it i've never put stock in a spring game and I never will. But um, if you could pinpoint one thing about this LSU football team that you have seen in your visits to their practices, the, the Saturday, you got to see their whole practice and then the scrimmage. What, what, what's your biggest takeaway to date 
as fall is right around the corner and Florida State awaits? Hmm, this is a really good question. Um, and there are so many options to pick here. Um, I think we should just start with the quarterbacks and try to keep it simple from there. Okay. Um, and I, and I think place. we should start. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I thought you were, I thought you were speaking. No, no, no. Go ahead. Um, Go ahead. but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think we should start with the quarterbacks just because it's, a, the most important position, and, and B, it's also a position that's evolved in this very interesting way during, during the spring. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you go through 15 spring practices in a spring game, you would expect that the, the field of four would whittle down or the field of two would whittle down. Instead, the field, I think, has expanded. Because to me, Garrett Nussmeyer has definitely taken a step forward in this race and has made himself a, a, a real contender for the starting job. Um, Walker Howard, not so much, nothing to do against him. And that's mostly an experience as mm-hmm. I mean, his lack of general college experience, um, was always going to be a, a sort of detriment to him in the race. But Nussmeyer has really taken a step forward here, uh, with de- next to Daniels and Brennan. And I think he has a real shot at winning the starting job. Um, he seems extremely poised in the pocket. He's making consistently good throws. Um, he's a little bit more of a playmaker. But he's a little bit more of a playmaker than Brennan, but has shown a little bit more consistency with his accuracy than Daniel. So I, I mean, he has some advantages in this race. I'm not saying he's going to win. And right. Let- like you said, yes, he was the best performer in the spring game, but we shouldn't take too much, if anything, from the spring game itself. Um, so I, I, I'm I'm really monitoring the quarterback situation, um, not just because of its general importance, but also just the way it's sort of evolved into sort of going from sort of this two-man race to this three-man race over the course of the spring. I haven't watched a single play so and, and on purpose because I don't care. I, what matters to me <laughs> is when they turn the lights on and they start keeping score, that's who the coaches feel can play. So it seems to me that you've got Miles Brennan who does one thing. You've got Jaden Daniels who does something completely different. And you got Nussmeyer, who has a little bit of Brennan, a little bit of Daniels, and brings you the best of both. Is that a fair assessment? In a way, but then Nussmeyer sort of brings his own element to his play, right? Because he's he's a little bit more of just this flat out, this flat out sort of gunslinger mentality, this sort of mentality that he's been trying to, I guess, kind of bat down a little bit, and that he's right. not just this boneheaded Brett Favre esque sort of slinging around slinging around the park without yeah. without without a care sort of quarterback. Like he has a brain to him. His his father was is a was a high school is a high school coach, um, and a quarterback himself. So I so there's so there is sort of that element to him. Um but he can but he's pretty light on his feet in terms of mobility, not to the same level as Jane Daniels. I just want to make that clear. Um, and he doesn't have quite the same arm that Brennan has. Um, Brennan, I think, pretty easily has the best deep ball uh, of of this four of this group of four of this group of four. Um, I, so, I, so you are right in the sense that Nussmeyer can do a little bit of uh, of both things in terms of what in terms of Daniel's ultimate strength and Brennan's ultimate strength. But I also think he sort of brings his own sort of unique element okay. in there as well. Okay. Is it a positive? At this point in time, or do you think it's a negative to have a three-quarterback race? That tells me, personally, well, nobody's really put themselves 
ahead above and beyond anybody else. And the longer this goes, because do you do the same type of offense with Jaden Daniels that you do with a Nussmeyer that you do with a miles Brennan? Cause I mean, Daniels, maybe not the most accurate quarterback, but he's the best runner of the quarterbacks. You see what I'm saying? Is this a, is this good? I mean, it's going to keep them all in camp. Nobody's going to hit the portal yet. So that's a good thing. But for the best of the team, is it a good thing? Good question. Um, I, I, here's the, you, you brought up a couple of questions there. One thing I do want to address though, is that, it doesn't seem like the coaching staff, Brian Kelly, they're disappointed in the way this quarterback situation has has okay. has uh, has shaped into so far. Uh, they okay. they seem very satisfied with all three guys, all four guys. Heck, um, right. it, they they've liked the progress they've seen from all of them. Um, they they like the way that all of them have sort of taken taken learning and have been really open to um, improving this season, uh, this spring. So I, I, I feel like that I don't think they're dissatisfied or that the fact that one guy hasn't blown away from the rest. I think, I think they look at it as we have th- three really good candidates here and we just need more time to figure out uh, which one sort of fits the best for us. Okay. Uh, because, I mean, as we sort of talked about a little bit already, and, and you sort of mentioned uh, just a moment ago, they're going to have to run a different offense for all three of these guys, all three of these guys when they're right. if, if they're named the starter, especially with Daniels, because Daniels is a heck of a runner. I mean, I covered Daniels at Arizona State, so I, I watched him play a lot of football, and I, he is a heck of a runner, and he can he can turn third and tens into first downs really easily with his with his, with his like really smooth ability to scramble. He doesn't he's not like a Lamar Jackson blazer. And he also isn't the most doesn't seem like the most explosive guy, but he's just a smooth runner, and he just sort of mm-hmm. figures out ways uh, with the ball ball in his hands to find to find extra yards. And the the interesting thing with the way Arizona State ran him is that they didn't really run a lot of design runs for Daniels. They were always always uh, they always they were always cautious with him, trying not not to expose him to, to too many big hits or okay to, to any injuries. So, so, and and since he's come to LSU, it seems like Kelly and the and the staff has been have been very open to um, kind of doing the opposite of that and actually running more design runs for him, running more RPOs, which is what Will Campbell um, mentioned on, on Mikey Matuk's show the other day. Uh, so if it it's it's really interesting to sort of see how they're going to have to evolve the offense depending on which guy they have, especially with Daniel. So I, I, I don't know. It, this is just a really interesting situation, and I'm really looking forward to see how it sort of right. shakes out at the end. Koki Raleigh with the Daily Advertiser, USA Today, covering the LSU Tigers. All right. Uh, it seems to me, from what I've observed, what I've read, that uh, the biggest question mark now seems to be the defensive secondary. Um, I know there's some, there's some help on the way. Um, with some freshmen coming in with uh, seven banks to transfer from Ohio State. You get another player back that uh, has been injured. Uh, it's going to be a whole new look defensive secondary. How confident are you in this secondary? Um, I'm confident in the safeties. They are part of the secondary, and yeah. that's, a, that's turned out to be a pretty deep and reliable unit. 
Um, Kelly, at, toward the beginning of the spring, even mentioned how he was sort of surprised how flexible and deep the unit was um, because he, initially he didn't really think think it was, and they thought they might need a little bit more help there. But it looks like that's fine with, especially after they added Fusha from Arkansas. Um, but with the corners, you are right to a degree for sure. Like I mean, what they are an injury or two away from being extremely dangerously thin at that position. Okay. I mean, Jarek Bernard Converse got hurt during spring spring practices, and all of a sudden you're seeing Demarius McGee start in the spring game. Like, that's not ideal. Yeah, that's not good. Um, no. No. But if they can stay at least even – if they can stay healthy with seven banks and Converse and these guys who are starting caliber all-conference level corners at their former schools – if those guys can stay healthy, and with Brooks, especially with a guy like Brooks at, at slot corner, who, who's done a really good job there, they have a chance to have a really good group at corner. It's just, can they stay healthy? Because right. there's not a lot of depth behind those guys to pick up the slack in, in case, you know, the, those Banks' injuries pop up again, or Gardner gets, or, not, or Converse gets hurt, gets hurt again. So there is a concern, I think, the concern there is with the depth and less with the talent because, okay. I mean, before he got hurt, the coaching staff was very impressed with Bernard Converse. Um, I mean, Seven Banks was a preseason, I believe he was a preseason third-team All-American heading into this past season, but injury sort of uh, sent right. his year sideways at Ohio State. Makai Gardner, uh, he's a guy that uh, Kelly believes is an NFL talent, at least that's what he said towards the beginning of spring. So they have talent there. It's just a matter okay. of staying healthy. And because if one or two of those guys get hurt, then all of a sudden you're seeing guys like Demarius McGee or you're going to see safeties like Jordan Tolles, who started to, uh, who has started to practice more corner lately playing at that position. And then that's when it can get really, really shaky and scary for the Tigers. Cokie Raleigh with us. Uh, today is the 26th of April. Um, May 1st is coming up Sunday. There's a deadline with transfer portal entrance and uh, to get in so you can play next year. What do you suppose uh, is there going to be um, a rush to the portal for some LSU players, or do you think they keep everybody? Or what do you? I'm thinking about the running back room. There seem to be four pretty good ones. Can you keep all four? Um, that's and what do you, what do you see from lose, LSU losing to the portal? Ooh, good question. I, I thought you were going to ask about who LSU was going to add to the portal. No, I want to um, know who we're going to lose. Ooh, I think there's a chance that they could lose maybe a linebacker. Um, there hasn't been, I haven't heard a ton of scuttlebutt over if anyone is going to leave. Uh, I mean, today we just saw Joseph Evans enter the portal, but that wasn't a huge surprise because he wasn't even on the spring practice roster, um, mm-hmm. at least reportedly enter the portal. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like that there's a chance they might lose a linebacker just because they, they have plenty of depth at linebacker and Harold Perkins mm-hmm. joined the team this summer. Um, and then wide receivers, he has a ton of them potentially at receiver as well. Um, okay. I, I'm, I'm having trouble putting my finger on exactly who would enter the portal though. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I, I will so just think I, those are a couple of positions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But wide receiver is a, is a good candidate there. 
Um, I think quarterback would have been the obvious answer uh, like a month or two ago, but right. it, it, it seems like they haven't even they're not even close to picking a starter. So of course, all those guys are going to stay. They're going to come back. So right. I don't know. There is there aren't too many great candidates um, for who may definitely leave uh, through the portal uh, ahead of May first. But you know, it, it's it's college football. Yeah. Things yeah, things will surprise right. you. So. So let's go back to the question you thought I was going to ask. What direction does LSU go in the portal? What do you think they have observed? And they say, okay, look, um, we're a little bit deficient here. We need to get somebody because we got to play Alabama. We got to play Auburn. We got to play Florida. Um, where do you think they look? Yeah, I would be surprised if they didn't add a tight end. Um, okay. uh, Kelly was pretty complimentary of the tight ends after the spring game, but they've said this they, they've talked about this repeatedly that they want to add some more reinforcements at the tight end spot um cole taylor in particular he was pretty positive about after the spring game but i don't think it would hurt even though they're adding mason taylor the three-star uh, and son of jason taylor uh, at, at tight end um this okay. summer but uh, i mean even 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 adding him they probably they, they could probably use more talent and juice at that position i mean mac markway is not coming till 2023 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think offensive line, if there's a second position, I think they could definitely, they're definitely at least interested in adding there. I mean, they were definitely in the hunt for Tyler Steen, who ended up transferring from Vanderbilt to Alabama. Um, so I would, I don't know if they are totally comfortable with that starting lineup, even though the, the five guys they had there, uh, they sort of, they, they seemed very, bunched together in the last two or three weeks of, of spring. seemed like they create some continuity there with that starting group. That's Will Campbell at left tackle, Tremont Shorts at left guard, Charles Turner at center, Miles Frazier at right guard, and then Cam Wire at right tackle. Um, um, that could be the starting unit against Florida State, but I but with Garrett Dellinger and uh, Marlon Martinez coming back from injury and Emory Jones uh, probably joining the team this summer, then that's then that's going to create even more competition at that offensive line spot, and they might want to add some more reinforcements there. So, you know, that's I'd say fair. those are the two positions where I would be, I would expect them to add, especially at tight end. I'll let you go on this one, Cokie Riley, with uh, the advertiser and the USA Today covering LSU. Um, one of the biggest gets coming back. You mentioned a couple of guys coming off of injury. Uh, Kayshawn Booty is coming back, so that's a huge addition offensively. Is there someone, and people forget that we got freshmen coming in um, that were highly coveted. Is there a freshman that we haven't seen yet that that you think can come in and contribute uh, right away at a position of need? Um, At a position, I mean, Terrence Walsh has a chance to crack some sort of playing time as okay. as like a backup corner. If there's an injury, uh, he's the fourth or he could he could be the third or fourth guy. He is a four star recruit out of Acadiana High. Um, right. He's had he's had a quite a, uh, he's had some injury problems the last couple of seasons, but right. he's really talented. Um, but he's just a really natural mover. I, honestly, quick player, good length, could use some more meat on his bones, but uh, still has the requisite length and speed you'd want at corner. That good. sort of that typical corner cornerback body. Um, what about a running could. back, that Kane kid? Yeah, yeah, Noah Kane, the transfer from 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 Penn State. I, he's definitely going to. I I would be surprised if he doesn't crack some sort of rotation uh, with the team. 
uh, well, once we get to the Florida State game, because it sounds like with the running backs that they're going to play as many of them as they can, because okay. it seems like Kelly at least likes all of them, um, and that he kind of, and, and it seems to me at least uh, from uh, hearing him talk about the running backs a few times that a he likes the unit and b he wants to play as many of them as he can at the same, at, at, you know, there's going to be quite a bit of rotation there, even though. John Emery Jr. is probably the number one back if you had to pick one. Um, uh, but, like, even Trey Bradford had his moments in the spring game. Uh, I, Josh Williams has impressed at times. You kind of go down the line. And they, they, they've, they're pretty – I think they're pretty set at running back heading into this right, season. So, I, we'll see. Um, I got t- I, but I in got terms of, like, se- freshman contribu- potential contributors, I, I'm looking at Harold Perkins. I mean, the fact that just the f- simple fact that he's a five-star recruit and a top-ten player in the nation, okay. he could easily crack the rotation or even the starting lineup uh, this upcoming season. I mean, he's that talented. All right. um, even at t- linebacker, which is a position where they're pretty deep yeah. at. So it'll be interesting to see like which of these freshmen sort of um, create some sort of role for themselves heading into this year. Five seconds. The starting quarterback next year is going to be who? Who would you guess? Five seconds. Jaden Daniels, because that's the guy they picked to, co- to come here and recruit Thank you, Riley. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Have a good week, and congratulations. Thank you, Jordy. All right, you take care. The Greater Acadiana Heart Walk will take place on Saturday, April 30th at River Ranch. The festivities begin at 8 a.m. The non-competitive walk begins at 9.15. For more information, visit greateracadianaheartwalk.org or contact Donna Ashcraft at donna.ashcraftatheart.org. We'll be right back. All right, hour number one's in the books. Coming up, hour number two, LSU baseball against the UNO Privateers. We'll hear from head coach Brian Keller of the LSU Tigers and Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. We'll share his mock draft as we are uh, about two and a half days away from Vegas and the real draft. It's all coming your way. Hour number two, the Jordy Helper Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station Hour number two next. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby! We're going to be here all day! Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party! Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday, April 26th, the year 2022, as the anticipation builds for the 9 o'clock tip out in the Valley of the Sun, Game 5, the... Pelicans versus the Phoenix Suns. We're brought to you each and every Tuesday by Cajun Chef. Um, boy, for a long, long time, Cajun Chef um, has been around. Um, their products remain true to their Cajun heritage. It's still carefully prepared for in St. Martinville, Louisiana, to the high standards of quality of the real benchmark of its success. Cajun Chef continues to expand its product line to supply you with the foods that you want. 
among our diverse offerings include a wide range of specialty salad bar items. There's no better assurance of quality than consistency. And Cajun Chef has been consistent for decades. Cajun Chef invites you to taste what's hot, that Cajun flavor that we know that we love. And when you do, you'll agree Cajun Chef is not only deliciously different, it is truly decidedly better. Not only do the Pelicans play, but the LSU baseball Tigers play tonight uh, against the UNO Privateers. The Tigers are 27 and 12. UNO is 21 and 16. They're going to play at Maestri Field at Privateer Park. First pitch is at 630. You can listen to the ball game right here on 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Um, LSU leads the all-time series 63-36, including an 11-3 win over the Privateers earlier this season in Baton Rouge. We're coming down to that time of the season where you can't have these midweek games and lose them. You just got to keep building momentum and keep things going. Um, you got to. You got to. So when you look at uh, LSU, their, their top four, getting it done, um, and the pitching staff is, is getting better. They're near the top of the SEC in a number of categories, including ERA. They're number four with a 3.42 ERA. Opponent batting average, number four, allowing only uh, .224. Runs allowed, number four, 170. So they're starting to round into shape. Um as we go, Jacob Berry's starting to really live up to the billing. Um, he's had a great week and a great season. So um, a very big opportunity for, for LSU to keep this thing going as they await Georgia coming into town Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Again, right here on the game, you could listen to LSU baseball. Brian Kelly met with the media after the spring game. And he uh, discussed a number of, of topics, including what we really didn't know was going to be a strength, but appears to be a strength. Now, for it to be a strength, the offensive line has to be good. Um, you've got to utilize the passing game as well. But here's Brian Kelly talking about um, the four-headed monster with another in Kane coming from Penn State uh, about this improved running game. Yeah, so when we came – you know, in here, I think we all knew that one of the areas that was a must was that if you're going to have any success, you, you have to strengthen the offensive line here. And so it's been a point of emphasis. And then we've got to run the football. Uh, if you're going to win the SEC West, uh, you have to be able to, uh, you got to be able to run the football. Today's not, you know, we're not here to <laughs> bang the drum and say, we've arrived, but there had to be some semblance of uh, we've made progress in that end, and, and I think we can say that we did, uh, and we emphasized it, and now we can go and look at uh, what are the things that we do well, and what do we need to do better, and, and so I think that that's the exam, right? What did we learn from the spring? What did we do well, and, and what can we do better? I love the guy. I really do. So, Coach Kelly, how confident are you that this team, uh, after you go through the summer workout sessions and fall camp, how, 
how good is this team going to be? How competitive will they be? Well, it's, a, it's going to be a competitive football team. We have some holes, and, and those holes need to be addressed and need to continue to work on. I'll, I'll get a deeper dive on this over the next couple of days. I always try to get through the spring and know my weaknesses because I don't want any surprises as I go into camp. Look, if I you know, started to look at them right now, those backs run really hard. You better tackle You better get our backs on the ground. And you saw that today. They can catch the ball, come out of the backfield. You know, we'll continue to work on some things that are, you know, in my eye, some weaknesses. But they bring some traits uh, across the board that I think are highly competitive in this league. Like it. I like it. Uh, one of the strengths of this ball club is they have a ton, a ton of pass-catching wide receivers. Here's Brian Kelly on that position group. The receivers, they can go get the football. We need to be a little bit mentally tougher, play in and play out. Um, but they can compete at a high level. I like Kobe Taylor today. I mean, I, I thought he showed himself more than just, you know, a pedestrian uh, player. He's long. Um, he showed uh, some yardage after the catch. We need to, he needs to live, if possible, in the weight room with us. And if he does that, you know, with Mashburn, you know, maybe, maybe we got something there. So that's an upgrade for us. We're talking tight ends there. Um, absolutely. Local product, Jack Besh, who had the, um, had the great freshman season. Uh, there is no more um, debate about, well, is he a tight end? Is he a, is he a wide receiver? He's a wide receiver. He's going to play that way. Here's Kelly on the sophomore to be. You know, he's deceptive, right? I mean, you guys were here. I mean, I, I'm seeing him, like, for the first time, you know, this spring. He's deceptive in a sense that he uses his body well. He positions himself well. He's a, he plays better than sometimes he practices. Like, he's a gamer. You know, I mean, I guess you guys, you're used to seeing him play last year. He just, when it's time to play and the lights go on, you can count on he's going to make some plays, and we saw that today. Exactly. We haven't talked about Jack Besh at all. Nobody brings his name up. He's just kind of, but when it counts, he's always there. Okay, the big question, quarterback room. The player that everyone said had the best spring game was Garrett Nussmeyer. Um, he's got his pros, he's got his cons, and yet who doesn't? There is no perfect specimen. But here's Brian Kelly talking about balancing Nussmeyer, letting him do what he does best, but also pulling back the reins so he doesn't make those crazy mistakes anymore as a young talent. Don't overcoach it. I mean, you can get, you know, it can be no paralysis by analysis, right? You know, you... you... You start to overcoach that, and then he starts to pull back a little bit, and then you lose a really good quarterback too. So you've got to be careful there. I think you just, you know, you try to coach him uh, on the things that matter the most, and that is taking great care of the football. I mean, he's going to make some mistakes. You know, I make mistakes. You know, I know you don't. I mean, but everybody else does. But and I don't mean that in any other way. I'm just making the point that he's going to make mistakes. You know, and so. It's just one of those things that I think you got to be careful with a guy like that that's really talented, that you don't try to overcoach that. 
and make sure he takes care of the football. If he does that, you know, if he makes a mistake here or there with the talent that he has, just go play football. God, I like Brian Kelly. God, I really, really do. Uh, thank you, James, uh, for uh, compiling all that sound. We greatly appreciate that. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network uh, will be coming up next. We'll talk NFL draft with the Saints. We'll get his mock draft. But first, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Astros will take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Bookshire AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, 12 minutes and some change after the hour. We'll be back on this Chamber of Commerce Tuesday, April 26th. Draft time next here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 26, 2018, Oklahoma quarterback Baker Mayfield is drafted by the Cleveland Browns with the top overall pick of the NFL draft. A total of four quarterbacks are taken in the top 10, a first in NFL history. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back this Tuesday, the NFL draft this Thursday in Las Vegas. We all know the Saints with the 16th pick in the first round and the 19th pick in the first round. And then they have other picks, obviously, where the Saints have always seemed to um, pick a gem out of the mine. Uh, and hopefully that will be the case again this time around. So let's go. Black and gold report time. Do it. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Bobby, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good afternoon, Jordy. I'm doing well. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your vacation. I'm certainly glad you're back and you look great. I did. Thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. Um, had to get back in time for this draft thing. So you've been scratching your head. You've been putting the, the eraser to the pencil and to the paper and scratching things off and changing things around. Uh, man, I sure have. I, I don't think I have been uh, ever been so anxious for a New Orleans Saints draft uh, in my entire life. Uh, and certainly not through my short career as a writer. Uh, my head is absolutely spinning. <laughs> Uh, but it, yeah, it, it's going to be an exciting Thursday, Friday, Saturday for sure. Let me throw a hypothetical out there and you tell me how far fetched this possibly could be. What if all of a sudden the saints um, pop up at number 16 and there's that wide receiver they want uh, and they go and grab them. And then what about at number 19, if there's an, another wide receiver that they really wanted, is it too far fetched to think that with two picks in the first round that the saints could possibly draft 
two wide receivers based upon the way football is being played. Maybe the fact that Alvin Kamara may not be around for a couple of games. Maybe you want to give Jameis Winston the best chance to be successful. Maybe you're not sure Michael Thomas is going to be the Michael Thomas of old. Is that is that dumb of me to even think that? No, it's not dumb at all. Uh, and I, I don't think it is a far-fetched scenario. Uh, in fact, our own John Hendricks uh, has gone on record on you know, more than one occasion at the Saints News Network, uh, you know, saying that that's where he would go, uh, you know, if he was the Saints general manager. Uh, and and listen, picture this: picture the Saints picking Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Yeah. Uh, you know, as talented as that young man is, he's probably not going to be available for up to half of the half of his rookie season. Uh, you know, so that doesn't immediately fix your wide receiver issues. Uh, you know, so certainly in that case, uh, I, I'd be rooting for them to dip back into the wide receiver well. Uh, but you hit the nail on the head. Uh, if you believe that Jameis Winston is your quarterback, uh, and you know, the jury's still out, right. uh, but if you believe that Winston is your quarterback, you need to go out and get him all the weapons that it takes for any signal caller to succeed. And we know that Winston is a prolific passer when he's at his best. Uh, you know, and, you know, we also don't know if Michael Thomas is going to be completely healthy uh, and he he carries around that hefty, uh, hefty contract for the next three or four years. Uh, so to get a couple wide receivers on a rookie deal or a rookie contract with a possible fifth year uh, you know, uh, deal added onto it, uh, I, I don't think it's far fetched at all. It's not where I would go personally, but again, I could see it happen and I wouldn't have a big problem with it. Doesn't this draft have some int more intrigue now because there's, I mean, every day it seems like there's a new number one pick and, and how the dominoes will fall after that. It makes for fun rather than having, okay, Lawrence is going to be the first pick. We know that that's all there is to it. And we move on from there. It does make for fun. I mean, you know, uh, obviously doing what I do, uh, I, I pay closest attention to the New Orleans Saints, right. uh, but I, you know, I keep looking at what those first 15 picks will, you know, could potentially be, uh, and you know, it, this draft doesn't have any two or three, uh, you know, consensus top picks. Uh, you know, it, but it is extremely deep at multiple positions, uh, and you know, I, I think that you know, many teams, if they if they draft right, uh, you know, many teams are going to find contributors well even right. into the middle round. Uh, but yeah, I don't even have any idea what the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to yeah. do at number one. Who knows? All right, this is the 56th draft that the Saints will be uh, participating in. So. We know all the needs. We've talked about this day in, day out, all the times and all the things. So let's go over Bob Rose's mock draft. So with the 16th pick in the first round, the New Orleans Saints select whom? I stayed pretty consistent in both mock drafts that I did. Uh, okay. I'm going with wide receiver Chris Alave out of Ohio State. Uh, I love bring to the table. Uh, I, a, a lot. He's an extremely smooth route runner. Uh, he has the speed to take the top off of defense. Uh, you know, he's a great open field runner. He could take the take short passes uh, and is a legitimate scoring threat from anywhere on the field. Uh, I, I think he has all the traits of a number one featured wide receiver. But, of course, he's not going to have to be that in New Orleans. Uh, you know, he has great hands, operates through the middle of the field well. Uh, and, like I said, has that home run potential that the Saints so, uh, sorely lacked last year. If if that happens and Michael Thomas is there and, and the Saints don't draft another wide receiver, when they go five wide or four wide, who are the other receivers you think the Saints are counting on? 
Uh, I think if they go four wide, there's no question it's going to be Marquez Callaway and uh, you know Deontay uh, Hardy. Okay. Uh, the fifth wide receiver, since they re-sign him and he knows the system, will probably be Traquan Smith. Uh, you know, Traquan will probably take some snaps from Deontay. Uh, you know, in uh, you know short yardage in the middle of the field. Uh, and, and you know, you, in that scenario, you want to you want Deontay as rested as possible uh, because yeah, people forget how good a punt returner and kick returner he is. And I think his, his snaps at wideout took away from that last year. Uh, but I think even if they just come out of this with one legitimate wide receiver, uh, you go four or five wide, uh, you know, with uh, the likes of Alave, certainly Michael Thomas, uh, you know, Deontay Callaway and uh, and Trey Quan Smith. Hey, that that's a good lineup. OK, um, how many teams in front of the 16th pick? How many teams do you think are really in need of a wide receiver? Uh, there's four or five that I could see taking a wide receiver. Okay. Uh, and that's not discounting any potential movement behind the Saints uh, you know, that might uh, might want to jump New Orleans to get themselves a, a receiver. Uh, and you know, I, I, I see, uh, you know, I mentioned Jamison Williams, Alave's teammate Garrett Wilson, I'm extremely high on. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are high on uh, the athlete from Arkansas, Traylon Burks. Mm-hmm. I expect Drake London to go within the first dozen picks. Uh, and you might even see Georgia's George Pickens uh, or Penn State's Jahan Dotson sneak into okay. as high as the middle of the first round. So, wow. you know, this, this receiver class is deep at the top. All right. So we got a wide receiver at 16, Olave. Now at number 19 overall in the first round, the New Orleans Saints select. In my first mock draft, I had Matt Corral, a quarterback from Mississippi. In today's mock draft, uh, Desmond Ritter, quarterback Cincinnati. Ooh. Okay. What I think – what changed your mind between Corral and Ritter? I think Corral is still – he's my favorite quarterback in, in what I consider a mediocre draft class and my best fit for the system. But I think at 19, he's a little bit of a reach. Desmond Ritter is a late riser up the boards. Uh, and, and, and listen, folks, this doesn't necessarily say that the Saints are giving up on Jameis Winston, but I think the temptation of getting a rookie quarterback, especially with Ritter's tools, uh, you know, big athletic guy, but uh, you know, very poised in the pocket. To get a quarterback on a rookie deal with a potential fifth-year option, I think that's why the Saints made the uh, trade with Philadelphia to pick up an extra first-round pick. And you can let Ritter develop for a year or two behind Winston. If Winston uh, evolves into the franchise quarterback that we know he has the capability of being, then Ritter becomes a trade option. Okay. If Winston doesn't, then you can easily move on from Jameis. And in a year or two, Ritter should be ready to go. I look at him as more of a de- developmental prospect. Corral, Kenny Pickett are guys that you could possibly plug and play. But New Orleans isn't looking for a quarterback like that. Is he going to be the third quarterback taken in the first round? Do you think there's yeah. uh, two more that go go ahead of him? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and that's why I went with Ritter in my mock. Like I said, in my opinion, Corral, Corral probably go late first round, early second. I think Malik Willis and Pitts, Kenny Pickett will c- probably come off the board in the first dozen picks. Now, we know New Orleans, or we've heard New Orleans really likes them both. They met with both Willis and Pickett. Uh, but you know, I, all the smoke screens of some of these NFL teams are throwing up. Quarterback is still the most overdrafted position in all of sports, and that's why I think Willis and Pickett will come off in the first 10 or 12 picks. Okay. Wide receiver and a quarterback. That surprises me. I didn't think that would be the case. But, look, at that that's terrific. Um, you still need, what, offensive linemen? Or, I, let's talk about that. Teron Armstead, 
gone. Uh, everybody seems to think that the Saints offensive line is not what it's cracked up to be. Will Clapp apparently is going to be doing a deal with the, the charges. So you maybe lose that Swiss army knife type of guy on the line. How do you feel about the Saints offensive line? And is there enough depth there? I like this Saints offensive line better than most people. Uh, losing Armstead is huge. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but you still have Ryan Ramchek. Uh, and I think that James, as of right now, if they had to take the field, James Hurst would be the other tackle opposite him. Uh, you know, Hurst has been the first fill-in uh, for Armstead whenever Tehran has been right. a sideline before. And he's played very, very well. Uh, in my opinion, he's a better fit at guard. Uh, but, you know, James Hurst, based off this roster right now, is one of your five best offensive linemen. I don't think Cesar Ruiz is going anywhere, not not as long as he's still on that rookie deal. Uh, and, you know, Anders Pete, they're still paying him a lot of money, so he's not going anywhere. Eric McCoy is one of the best centers in the business. Uh, I do think that they'll address a tackle. I don't think it'll be as high as most people think. Uh, now, if one of those blue chippers fall to them at 16 or 19, it's going to be hard to pass up. Uh, but, you know, I went with wide receiver and quarterback in the first because I think that Dennis Allen and that coaching staff feels just fine if they had to start the season with James Hurst at tackle. Uh, the depth is a little bit of a question, uh, but they drafted Landon Young, the offensive tackle last year from Kentucky. Uh, you know, Calvin Throckmorton played very, very well, I thought, uh, when he had to fill in at guard yeah. uh, you yeah. know, most of the year last year. It's not as deep as we've seen the Saints line in the past, but it's still serviceable depth. Okay. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Um, We'll get to your other picks in a little bit after the break, but I – Sean Payton came out and said, you don't need to draft a wide receiver in the first round. Look how we've done it in the past. You think the Saints are listening to the old coach? I hope not. Not in this case. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I love Sean. Uh, I, 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 I love some of the drafts that he did. And he's right. Uh, you know, he had ex you know, Michael Thomas was a second round pick. Uh, Marcus Colston, a seventh rounder. And he's done it with undrafted guys. But he did it with Drew Brees. Uh, and until until proven otherwise, Jameis Winston is not Drew Brees. Uh, I, I want to give my new quarterback uh, a, a chance to succeed, similar to you know what Brees had. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, I, I respect Sean Payton's opinion more than anybody, but yeah, he's wrong in this case. All right, we'll take a quick time out here. We'll come back. We'll continue the black and gold report. We've got a wide receiver. We've got a quarterback in the first round. What do the Saints do after that? We'll find out from our expert, Bob Rose, Saints News Network, after this. On the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we're back. The Black and Gold Report. Uh, Bob Rose of the St. News Network. Bob's uh, mock draft number two. Got Chris Olave going as the 16th overall pick to the Saints, the wide receiver from Ohio State. And Desmond Ritter at number 19, the quarterback from Cincinnati. Next up, the Saints are in the second round. 
They've got the 49th pick overall. So, um, Bob, there's a there's a number of places the Saints can go here. Offensive line, defensive line, anywhere. Um, best player available now or position of need? What do you think? Uh, it is going to be best player available. At least that's what I expect. Uh, and I also expect it to be a defensive player, especially if they check off two of their offensive needs in the first round. Okay. Uh, linebacker is an underrated need for this team as long as Quan Alexander remains unsigned. Uh, I know Demario Davis is still the, the best in the business, but he's going into his 11th year, uh, and they don't, they have very little depth behind he and Pete Warner. Uh, you know, so uh, in my first mock draft, I had them going tackle Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan. I think Raymond goes first round, by the way. Okay. Uh, you know, in the second mock, I had them going Brian Asamoah, the linebacker from I like Oklahoma. Him. I like yeah, him. I do too. Uh, like not him. a big fan out of linebackers from Oklahoma typically. Uh, and this is going all the way back to Brian Bosworth. Uh, <laughs> but I tell you, the more the more film I watch on uh, Asamoah, he's a he's a safety in a linebacker's body. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a terrific cover guy. Uh, he doesn't hesitate to step into the gap uh, and take on linemen, uh, you know, uh, blockers uh, in the running game. Uh, and he is maybe the best linebacker in sideline to side uh, on sideline to sideline pursuit uh, in this draft class. This would I follow up. This, this would follow I mean, having the Saints drafted a linebacker on day two, like the past two or three years. Yep, last two years. Uh, yeah, last year Pete Warner in the second round worked out great. Yeah. Uh, but one of the reasons why this is an underrated need is uh, Zach Bond, the third Ooh, round pick in twenty twenty. Yeah, he just uh, Bond's a good special teamer, but I think that's all he's ever going to be. Uh, yeah, he just I understood the pick at the time. Bond has just never converted from stand-up defensive end in college to the linebacker that the Saints need him to be. He looks completely lost in coverage uh, with a guy like Asamoah. You're not going to get that. He's going to be a plug-and-play guy. Asamoah, can he cover? Can, is he a good pass cover linebacker? Yeah, he's terrific. Uh, yeah, he's, he's as athletic as they come. Uh, he's going to be able to guard backs coming out of the backfield, uh, run with tight ends and even some wide receivers down the field. Uh, I'd like to see him play with a little bit better awareness and zone coverage, uh, but he's a real fluid athlete that could take on those uh, athletic tight ends that most NFL teams have. So Dennis Allen gets his defensive player. Now go to the third round, 98th player overall. Again, Position of need, possibly. Best player available, maybe both. Who do you have at number 98? Uh, I do have them uh, have the Saints addressing offensive line with this pick. Uh, the first mock draft, I had them going uh, linebacker uh, Channing Tindall from Georgia uh, for all the reasons that I mentioned about Asamoah. Right. Uh, in this mock draft, I had them going offensive tackle from Minnesota, uh, Daniel Fayali. Uh, mm. You want to talk about a monster uh, you know, six, eight, almost 390 pounds, uh, pretty quick on his feet for such a big guy. Uh, but he's a developmental guy. Uh, I made this pick, uh, you know, and I, you know, I could go as early as the second round, uh, you know, one of the better linemen that you've seen out of the big 10 in the last couple of years. Uh, but I, I'd like to see him be a little bit more fluid, uh, and less mechanical in pass protection. He's going to have a year to develop in this scenario behind James Hurst. And if Cesar Ruiz continues uh, you know, to play so poorly, they can move Hurst back inside and plug in big, old, uh, you know, big Daniel uh, at offensive tackle in 2023. Huh, okay, that is huge. What a behemoth. My goodness <laughs> gracious. All right, so 
wide receiver, quarterback, linebacker, offensive tackle. Now you go to the fourth round, the 120th pick overall. What say you now? Listen, you mentioned uh, uh, you, you mentioned Camara uh, and his legal problems more than a couple of times on the show. Right. In my first mock, I went with Damian Pierce, the running back out of Florida. I think Pierce is like, as much as I love Pierce, I think he's long gone by this point. Okay. So I have the Saints addressing the worst position in the entire National tight Football end? League last tight year. End? Tight end? Tight end. Okay. Uh, I have him going uh, tight end, Jelani Woods out of Virginia. Hmm. Uh, you, you, you mentioned behemoth uh, you know, to, to Big D uh, out, of, out of Minnesota before. Uh, Jelani is a behemoth at tight end. He only had one year of production at Virginia. He actually was recruited as a quarterback uh, and started his career what? at fullback and uh, a move tight end with Oklahoma State. Uh, but you know, after he transferred to Virginia, he's like six seven, almost two sixty. Uh, but he can move like a big wide receiver. Uh, very very good blocker. Uh, you know, you, I, I want to see him uh, hone his blocking technique a little bit and become. Uh, but he'll get more experience as a wide receiver. He's an athletic mismatch for linebackers uh, and just a size mismatch for most defensive bats. So you got Taysom Hill to do the the receiving work, and you get this big old dude to do the blocking work and maybe uh, red, red zone area, throw it up high and go get it. Make sense? Yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, I think Troutman, Troutman is going to develop as a blocker. I think we've seen his ceiling as an athletic wide receiver. Yeah. That's why I think the Saints need an athletic tight end out of this draft. All right. Very good. All right. You mentioned running back. We're coming up to the fifth round, 161st overall. You can get right. You can find running backs just about like you can find uh, guards in basketball. They're here. They're there. They're everywhere. Right. Is this a time for a running back? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, and uh, it, there'll be several talented ones that we'll see go uh, late on day two, early on day three. Uh, but with the fifth pick in my second mock draft, I had the Saints going running back Pierre Strong out of South Dakota State. Huh. Uh, Strong's one of my favorite players that I've broken, broken down film of in this draft. Really? Uh, yeah, he, he's a north-south power runner. Uh, but once he gets into the open field, the man has 4-3-7 speed. Uh, you know, ter- he's a terrific athlete. Uh, but, yeah, he, he hits the hole with force. Uh, yeah, he's the kind of guy I think will be able to compliment Mark Ingram. Uh, you know, whether Kamara, you know, let's say Kamara doesn't get suspended or once Kamara comes back, the combination of uh, what I see out of Pierre Strong and Mark Ingram, you'll still have a viable rushing threat out of the backfield and you'll be able to move Kamara around like, you know, we've seen them be able to do prior to 2021. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I think Pierre Strong could be the steal of the 2022 NFL draft. Hmm. Okay, so we address the running back position. I think we got one pick left, and that's the sixth round, 194th overall. You've gotten a wide receiver, a quarterback, a linebacker, an offensive lineman, a tight end, and a running back. You have you have spread the wealth uh, very nicely. So so what's left? What else do we need? Without a doubt, you know, with these kind of picks, you want to bolster the athleticism of your special teams. Uh, and with the sixth pick in my second mock draft, I went safety Quentin Lake from UCLA. Uh, right. And if that sounds familiar to uh, you know, some of you older yep. fans like myself, he is the son of former Steelers All-Pro safety Carnell Lake. Oh, okay, um, good gene pool. Quentin, Quentin has his dad's kind of playmaking ability. 
Uh, yeah, he intercepted three passes last year, broke up six or eight others. Uh, he's not, he doesn't have the athletic range you'd want in a single high safety, uh, but he has terrific awareness and good enough range uh, to be a, to, to be featured in a too high look, good enough tackler to be near the line of scrimmage. And I think he's going to be terrific on special teams, which again is where you want these kind of picks to excel. That's where they're going to make the team, uh, you know, as day three picks or undrafted guys. Uh, but do not be surprised if the Saints address the safety position earlier in the draft. I know they signed Marcus May this offseason, and I love that signing. But right. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is in the last year of his contract. If the Saints feel that they are going to have a hard time re-signing him, because he's, he's going to ask for big money, then don't be surprised to see the Saints address safety with a day-two selection. Otherwise, I think Lake is a sneaky good pick this late in the draft. Is Teran Matthew out of the out of the mix? I mean, still hadn't signed with anybody. You think that's that that ship has sailed with the Saints? No, I don't think it's sailed. I think uh, it's still incredibly possible to get Honey Badger, and it, of course, it all depends on you know, what he's asking for and what kind of interest he's gotten from other teams because he's met he's he has met with other teams. Uh, you know, Tyran Matthew, Jarvis Landry, Juan Alexander. There are three names to keep an eye on. They're going to be signing immediately after the draft. These guys are just waiting to see how the draft unfolds. Uh, yeah, the Saints, obviously, uh, they know Alexander. They met with Matthew and Landry. That's just to gauge interest at this point. Uh -huh. And they probably said to these guys, you know, look, yeah, when, and we know you have interest throughout the league. Uh, we'll be in touch with you after the draft. They want to know what the player is asking for, and the player is trying to gauge their own interest throughout the league. Of those three, Alexander, Matthew, Landry, if you could only take one, who would you take? Give me Quan. Okay. Give me Quan in a heartbeat. Uh, and you know, I, I still don't discount the fact that the Saints might draft a linebacker, even if they think they're going to get Quan back. But he is just such a good fit in this defense uh, and such a talented running mate to Demario Davis. You could argue, and in my opinion, Quan had his best season in the NFL last year, uh, you know, once he came back healthy. Uh, so, yeah, of those three, I take Quan. All right, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Remember, the draft starts with the first round on Thursday. Rounds two and three will be on Friday evening and the final four rounds, the Fast and Furious Saturday afternoon when not really much but the real, real NFL Knicks um, watch all that, which would be Bob Rose. Where, where does Debo Samuel go? Man, he's good. Man, he's good. Yeah, he is really good. What, what, what uh, will I that command? Debo, I think Debo is going to stay in San Francisco, but if he gets moved, uh, I expect it to be to the New York Jets. Uh, you know, the Jets have two high first-round picks. Uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's definitely interest there. You know, Robert Sala, the Jets head coach, was the defensive coordinator in San Francisco, so you know he is familiar. You know, going up against Debo in practice, uh, and you know the the Jets have some. You know, some young draft picks that they've acquired over the last couple of years, too, if San Francisco is looking for a player or two in addition to a high draft pick. I think the Jets have the most ammunition and make the most sense if any team is able to trade for Debo. Five years from now, who's going to be the best quarterback out of this draft, in your opinion? Uh, the guy I mentioned I liked the best before, I like Matt Corral. Uh, you know, I, I think he's, he has terrific athleticism. Uh, I love his poise in the pocket and the way he runs an offense. 
you know, it, it, say what you will about Lane Kiffin's system at Mississippi, but as a quarterback and as an offensive skill position player, you have to process pretty quickly. Uh, and I love the way Corral processes defenses. Uh, you know, he's a gamer as competitive as they come. I'm not a fan of many people in this uh, quarterbacks in this class, uh, but I, yeah, I love Corral. Uh, and I really like Carson Strong, too. If you're looking for a day two sneak pick, okay. uh, Carson Strong from Nevada uh, has a great arm, great pocket presence, uh, just not a lot of mobility or notoriety from where he's coming from. But watch for Carson Strong to surprise some people, too. Does, does the performance of a, um, of a Carson Wentz defray – a player like that from Nevada in any way? Because they, they look kind of similar, don't they? Does that hurt? Yeah, they were very similar. Does that hurt him? I think it does. Uh, you know, because a lot of the way a lot of scouts view it, and I have to wonder if NFL teams do too, uh, they already think a quarterback coming from this small from a small school like Liberty and Malik Willis, right. uh, yeah, th- that they're already have, are facing strike one because of the fierce jump in competition. Uh, that that's going to at least delay their development. When you find, you know, when you get see a Carson Wentz type of player, uh, you know, that you know, and Wentz started out his career like gangbusters, but when you know such a bad regression, I think that has to work against a, a Malik Willis uh, or a Carson Strong in this situation. He is Bob Rose, Saints News Network. He's a cat on a hot tin roof. Thursday can't get here soon enough. Bob, thank you so much. The Black and Gold Report, we greatly appreciate it, man. And go take care of those kids in the background, all right? Yeah, sorry about that. You That's know, the, okay. The, the, kids the kids rule the world. They rule the world, man. You take care. Enjoy the draft. We'll talk you next too. week. Awesome. We'll talk next week and wrap it all up and see what a genius you really are. <laughs> For sure. Take care, my friend. All right, Bob. There you go. It's time to wrap it up. Go ahead. Uh... <laughs> Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Brought to you by Cajun Chef. Deep in the heart of the South Louisiana Bayou Country, Cajun Chef seasoning still made from time-honored traditional family recipes using only the finest spices and peppers. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef and give your family, your friends, your loved ones the Cajun food flavor that will keep them coming back again and again and again. And when you do, you'll realize that um, not only is it decidedly different, but it's deliciously better as well. There you go. Cajun Chef. We'll be right back to wrap all this up on the Jordy Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right, we're back. Brought to you by Cajun Chef. I, uh, Cajun Chef invites you to taste what's hot, that Cajun flavor. And when you taste it, you'll agree. Cajun Chef is not only deliciously different, but it's decidedly better. Can't get a hotel room in Baton Rouge this weekend. 
It's like LSU versus Alabama in football on a Saturday night in Tiger Stadium. Well, Nick Saban is not coming to Tiger Stadium, but my man, Garth Brooks, is coming. And over 100,000 fans will be in Tiger Stadium this Saturday night. And what a boom it is for this part of of the state of Louisiana as Garth. Uh, We're calling Baton Rouge. So, James, how about Friday? Can we... Is it can we legally play Garth Brooks songs? Can we do that? Can we sneak it in? Or is that impossible? Uh we could play like a little snippet of a song or two. Yeah, let's play some of them. Let's uh let's I'm giving you an assignment. I want a Garth Brooks Friday uh with some of his hit songs and we can save uh you know the the really good one. I think I think Garth needs to play Colin Baton Rouge to open the show. I think he needs to sing it in the middle of the show, and I think he needs to sing it at the end of the show um, because that's what the people want to hear. That, that's what they because we all know the words because we sing it every time we go to an LSU football game. So, Colin Baton Rouge, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, special thanks to our guest Justin Napoli. Game five tonight between the Pelicans and the Suns. Uh, it's a make or miss league, and you can come up with all the things that you want. You got to make shots. And you got to get C.J. McCollum to have one of those nights. If he does, the Pelicans win. If he doesn't, Chris Paul's not going to have two bad back-to-back games. He's not. He's going to play better. He's going to play better. So the Pels have to weather the storm. They got to hang in there, make it a fourth-quarter game, and then get uh, Ingram and get McCollum to do their thing and ride their coattails all the way back to New Orleans. So uh, we'll report on that tomorrow thanks to Cokie Riley with uh, the LSU report um I think there's a method to the madness I think they wanted that I think the coaching staff wants that LSU quarterback room to be exactly the way it is right here right now they're not going to say a word until after the transfer portal door closes they want to keep all three of them but I think they have an idea of who they like the most contrary to what they're telling you and me I think they know who it's going to be. Uh, they just don't want to lose anybody. It's a bad look to the program. So there's a there's a method to the madness. So we thank Koki and, of course, Bob Rose with the Saints News Network. I have no idea what the Saints are going to do. I have no idea what any team's going to do. We will see. And then it's up to the coaches to uh, hopefully they did their homework. I know they've done their homework. And they, they'll fill the needs that they feel can make them a better football team. Because in the NFL, it's not for long. You better win, and you better win now. So um, we'll keep reporting on all these things. We'll recap LSU versus UNO baseball and much, much more. James, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion that you do because we're here, we're there, and we're everywhere. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. We really, really couldn't do it without you so uh come on back tomorrow same time two to four same great stations 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles streaming 1037 thegame.com 1041 thegame.com and in the acadiana area as we are simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on lus fiber until next time i'm jordy helberg as always stay thirsty my friends means crave things go go seek it and go get it uh by all means do everything you can to stay healthy that's the most important thing be kind to everybody and let's all be happy life is short let's make it fun uh until next time so long everybody we'll see you down the road 